this week. Man, we are approaching Easter, ain't we? Aren't we? Yeah, we're coming up. We're coming up on um, coming up on Easter. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, yesterday, yesterday, yesterday was um, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is we call it Palm Sunday because it's the the day that Jesus came into the city and they laid down palm branches for him to ride in on. It's the Sunday before Easter. And so I was thinking about, I actually was thinking about this the other day. And and before I get into this topic, you know, um, you may be wondering, how does this fit into mastering love and life? Well, for the Christian, which I am a biblical Christian, for the Christian the celebration of Easter, not bunny rabbits and Easter eggs, but the celebration of the resurrection of Christ is one of the biggest events, right, in our in our belief system, if you want to say it that way. And so for the Christian, which again I am, you can't get love or life right if you get the cross wrong. And so during this season with yesterday being Palm Sunday, and this is what we call Holy Week, I would be remiss if I did not dedicate at least one episode completely to Christ, what he did on the cross, and how it has at minimum impacted my life, right? At least that's what I think. But I was thinking the other day about Christianity today in 23rd, I mean 2013, 2023 versus, you know, the first century church. And uh, I know, man, there's so much going on that makes, you know, today what it is. But, but you know, you got social media, you got mass media news stations, right? So people know what everyone is doing all across the world, where obviously in the first century you may not have had that. And the reason that's important is because those things all around, all around, all around the world uh, gives you, it, it helps your imagination for seeing, not that you need any help, but then you get to, you know, like, for example, all these mass shootings. No one's going to convince me that part of the reason that that keeps happening or is, is happening is, is not connected to the fact that the publicity it gets from everybody else. But anyway, the point that I'm making is this, because I'm getting off track. The church today is almost irrelevant. And um, so I was thinking the other day, I wonder for today's believer, does the cross really matter? Meaning, you say you're a Christian, you say that you are a believer, but do you truly believe in the Lord Jesus dying on a cross, crucified, being buried, 
and then on the third day, rising again. Does that matter to you? And I would venture to say, unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians, current Christians today, where they never really consider the cross as anything significant. They hear the story, they've given their life to Christ, so they believe or whatever, you know. And uh, that's about the extent of it. But the reason, or at least one of the reasons, why it's important to recognize the importance of the cross is because the Apostle Paul talks about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. If you know nothing of that power, then you know nothing of what is living inside of you. And if you don't know it's in there, how can you tap into it to bring it out to serve the people that God put you here to serve? Does the cross still matter to you? Does the cross still matter? Man, so let me just talk about um, some lessons, some life lessons Here's, here's, here's a part of mastering life, some life lessons from what Christ did on the cross outside of dying and being resurrected by that, right? We, we know that part. But here's something that I notice about his life, and it did not change when he was arrested and, you know, subsequently crucified. Number one, Jesus prayed a lot. Like, Jesus prayed a lot. And uh, that is something we should model. Like, think about that. Think about that. The most holy of holies, the most perfect person to ever walk the planet, saw fit to pray every day and to pray often. And watch this. Even if you believe, you know, you know, it wasn't for him. Okay, fine. Then. What is your Lord and Savior modeling for you then? Even if he didn't need it like you need it, you do. Just mo- Can you just do what he did? But just think about that. A perfect person seeing the need to pray because, because he wasn't praying 911 prayers. Oh, that's ouch. I, I, done, I done bust myself in the eye. How you give yourself a black eye when it's your podcast? I don't. What I just said is. Wait, my eye's still hurting. That that hurt. <laughs> I really punched myself in the eye with what I said. Uh, I don't even think that was supposed to be for me, but it, it, it is what it is. You can't be like Jesus if you are constantly only praying 911 prayers. As a matter of fact, Let me hold on. Let me think about this. Yeah. I don't believe there is recorded a 911 prayer to you. If if there's one 911 prayer, it would be, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's it. Outside of that, no 911 prayers for Jesus. Why? But he prayed so often. So that tells me he wasn't praying. Oh, this is good. He wasn't praying for, for 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 answers. He probably, ooh, he probably wasn't even praying for direction 
or guidance. He was praying simply for fellowship because his spirit was so aligned with God that he didn't have to pray for guidance. Guidance was already in his spirit. He prayed for fellowship. Man, that's so good. Even in the garden, right? Even in the garden. I mean, yeah, he said, let this cup pass from me, but he said a whole lot of other things because he was praying for over an hour. All right, so I know he didn't just say that repeated, repeatedly. But the point is, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ prayed often. When I look at Scripture, it looks like to me, every time after he has a big win, so to speak, where, where like he, he feeds 5,000 or he does something miraculous or something big, let me just say something big that's recorded, right after that, he steals away by himself to pray. Man, that kind of tells me. For you, regular person, Clifton, when you're doing God's work and then you draw a crowd and then the people start praising you, saying how great of a job you did and how you changed their life or whatever, say thank you, point them to God, but then Make sure you slip away into your closet to pray so that you can stay humble, recognizing that their praise is not what's supposed to elevate you, but it is your time with God. Jesus didn't stay and socialize with folk and just let them fill him with fluff. The Bible says that he knew what was in man, so he did not trust himself to them. That's interesting. So Christ prayed all the time. Um, here's another thing. So you know when he was tempted in the wilderness, we have record the recorded part when he's talking to Satan. And every time he responds to Satan, he quotes scripture, right? Now, he could have just talked to Satan, just regular, but he quoted scripture. And you got to understand that... <laughs> The way Jesus operated and everything that God does, it's very intentional. No randomness. So Jesus could have spoke to him regularly. We could have recorded that and then we just would have had it. But it, but the problem is we would have thought we can do what he did when we're not him. So he did what we need to do. Y'all not working with me. He did what we need to do so that when the enemy comes, we need to speak the word. But I got one more, and this one is directly connected to the Easter event because here's what I noticed. So, you know, every year, not every year, uh, for a couple of years, uh, several years I've done uh, on, on, um, on Good Friday, the last seven words or the last seven sayings of Jesus from the cross, right? And I've preached, let me see it. I've preached, Father, forgive them. I've preached, I can't remember, but I've preached a few of them. And I'm doing it again uh, this coming Friday, uh, April the 7th. And what's the name of the church? The name of the church is Rose of Sharon Worship Center, 7607 Druid Street, Houston, Texas, 77061. So I guess I just invited everybody to come hear me. Um, so my topic, my, 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 this time I'm closing. Mine is the, the last, the last word, which is 
into thy hands I commit my spirit or I commend my spirit. Here's the thing. What Jesus models for us on the cross is this. When it feels like God has forsaken you, when it feels like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and you can't get a prayer through, when the pain is so excruciating that you believe or you feel like you're dying, when life is putting so much pressure on you that it feels like you are suffocating like Jesus was on the cross. Even in those difficult times, do this one thing that Jesus did the whole time he was on the cross. Jesus quoted scripture. He prayed scripture. He spoke scripture. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit is from the Psalms. Um, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Is a quote from the Psalms. I thirst, and then they gave him vinegar and gallbladder water, not gallbladder, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> That's from the Psalms. When you read the Gospels, you see that the things that Jesus say and the things that he is, the way he is moving and operating, it's all scripture. Here's the thing. In order for him to have that much scripture coming out of him in his time of, of being squeezed, life is squeezing him. And when life squeezes you, whatever is in you, that's what's going to come out of you. As a matter of fact, that's the only thing that can come out of you. If it's not in there, it can't come out. So stop blaming other folk for when you curse them out. Because it came out of you. That means it was in you. No matter how much pressure they apply, if it wasn't in there, it wouldn't have been able to come out, right? So um, when you're being squeezed, Scripture should come out like it did with Jesus. Now, I know what you're going to say. That's an unfair comparison because he was the Word. The Bible, John said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Subsequently, the Word became flesh, that was Jesus. He dwelt among us. So, yeah, it's unfair comparison. I understand, but we're talking about the picture. We're talking about the example. And so, because you are not the word, right? You are not in the beginning. You are not the word. The, the, the takeaway is this. You should do that, but to in order for you to be able to... Um, exude the word when you when life squeezes you you'd have to fill yourself with the word i need i needed an amen right there you need to fill yourself with the word if when life squeezes you that's what's going to come out and for the believer it should now let me just tell you because i'm not you know um you know one of my things is not being hypocritical I, i'm not at this place that i'm preaching about right now I'm not preaching. I guess I am. I wasn't trying to preach. It's just a podcast. My point is, um, 
That's why I got a black eye when I talked about Jesus' prayers because Jesus didn't pray 911 prayers, but we pray 911 prayers because we're not connected to God. We're not connected to we're not we're not connected to the Holy Spirit and our spirit the way that we need to be, so that we don't have to pray 911 prayers. That's why your faith is so weak. Because your prayer life is weak and you're not reading the word to learn about this God that you say you love and serve. So you just love a, a, a perfect God. And that's why folk be praying for stuff that's ridiculous and thanking God for things that he had no, he didn't do that. You know, Lord, thank you for that drug deal going well. I mean, I guess you could thank him for grace, but like, you know, <laughs> come on. Anyway, I don't know where that came from. That was random. But yes. As we approach Easter coming up, man, let's remember the cross matters. The cross absolutely matters. Um, if it were not for the cross, I know for me, I, I, I just don't believe because I believe what the word says. And Jesus said, uh, no man can come to me except my father call them. And I've often, I've often asked myself, even though my mother took me to church when I was seven. Why did it stick with me? Because some folk go to church all throughout their childhood and they don't turn out like me. Why did I turn out this way? Meaning, why have I, since I was a kid, really wanted to know God and I've just been into God? Why is that? Even in all of my sin, all of my dirt, and I've been through some dark times in my life where I lived like I didn't know God, but I've never denounced God. I've never, you know what I'm saying? I've always wanted to please him. Even in my most weakest, moment, weakest moments, I've wanted to please him. But where did I get that from? I have to believe what scripture says, where Jesus says, you didn't call me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. No man can come to me unless my father calls him. And so I am grateful that he called me because I know that there's nothing within me that deserves any kind of call from God. There's nothing within me that God can use without his sanctification first for his service. Right? You know, like, like there's nothing God can use. Whatever he, anything, and he's going to have to sanctify it. Like he had to go to the cross for me. And I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful, so grateful, so thankful for Dr. Myron Golden, uh, Darius Daniels, and uh, Bishop Wayne Malcolm because they've truly helped me understand that uh, heaven is not the only thing that we should be working for, right? As long as you're here, you know, get saved, but as long as you're here, yes, be a disciple for Christ 1,000%. But get the bag. And it ain't about money, but it is about money. You feel me? Like like the Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now he said that's a good man. So where the good man gonna get the good money to leave it to his grandchildren? He gotta work for it. He has to create wealth. Right? And those three brothers helped me understand that wealth was primarily for God's people. I, I'm not making that up. It's in the scripture. Uh, it's in there. I've read it. Um, I've been taught it. I've studied it. 
I'm blown away by it. Right. Y'all remember when y'all remember when uh, the prosperity gospel, so to speak, became really popular with Creflo Dollar. And I don't know whoever else, because, you know, back then. I was still spiritually, spiritually, uh, I, I wouldn't say ignorant, but, uh, you know, I was, I was somewhere else. And, um, I thought, you know, that spiritual pride, that, that, that prosperity gospel was just not of God. Right. But y'all remember that stuff back there. And I do believe, honestly, I believe a lot of that, they were swindling people out of money. I do believe that I'm not, and I, and I know I call Creflo's name. I'm just, I'm not saying he's doing that. I've heard it. I have no proof of it. So I'm not saying that he's just the only person I know that was caught up in what we call the prosperity gospel, um, time in, 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 you know, and I guess it's still going on. I don't know. But anyway, the point is I've always been anti that. Um, and so, but what I've, what I learned last year, with Dr. Myron Golding as something else. It's not, it's not the historically uh, selfish prosperity gospel preached back in the day. It is, it is biblical prosperity. Yes. Or, or let's say, let's use a a Bible word, Uh, biblical wealth. Uh, Wealth is God's idea. There's why is there gold? You, gold is the universal symbol for wealth or money. Why is there gold in the garden? They don't have any stores. It ain't but two people. Why is there gold there? Because God wanted us to know that wealth is primarily for his people. The very first time that the Bible, that God's word says that somebody is rich, it's Father Abraham who is the father of the faith, right? It is Abraham, and the Bible says, not that he was rich in character, because if the Bible had just said he was rich, you know, the way we preach, you know, that the Christian is supposed to be broke, we would, we would you know, we would be um, saying that, oh, yeah, he was rich in character, and he was rich in spirit. No, no. The Bible says that Abraham was rich in cattle and land, so he was rich materially. And that's the father of the faith. So wealth is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, when you read through Proverbs, poverty is associated with bad, not wealth. Now, the love of money, the pornea, the lust, the pornea of money is sin, right? But, but, if you worship anything other than God, that's sin. But money is inherently good because it's God's idea. Okay. How, how did I get on that? I don't know. But <laughs> that's why it's my podcast. I was, I was listening to um, Stephen A. Smith this morning, and he was saying, you know, the reason I got my podcast is because on my podcast, I can do what I want to do. You know, I'm not on the network and got to follow their rules or whatever, you know, I can just be me and say what I want to say and can't nobody check me on my words. I'm like, I feel you, Stephen A. It's, that's that's how it is. As long as you don't break no FAA rules, I guess, or FCC, whoever it is. FAA, I think that's the airplane people, right? Anyway, as long as you don't break no rules and probably play any, you know, copyrighted music, hey, just 
It's your thing. Do what you want to do. But back to the cross. Jesus is our example, even in his death. He models for us perfectly how to go through difficult times. And um, this podcast was as much for me as it was for you. And I hope it really it really helps you. And um, I think I'm going to do something in the future about this idea of the poor Christian, you know, getting back to that, because um, I know a lot of people believe that Jesus was poor. Uh, do you know scripture leans more to him not being poor than he, than he is, but like, you know, we'd have to take some time and dive into that because that's going to, you know, peel somebody's cap back, so to speak, right? That's going to, that's going to make your hair stand up. Uh, and some of you just going to flat out be like, nah, but you're not going to be able to deny it in black and white if it's in scripture. Right. For example, can I give you just one? Now I'm going to give you this. It's still jumping in the middle. It's, just, it's not going to convince you. It's, it's going to, you know, you're still not going to be convinced, but it's going to make you say, hmm. So in the gospel of John, Jesus and his disciples are at a wedding. Uh, John says in his gospel that they run out of wine and Jesus' mother came to him and said, hey, they're out of wine. And he's like, why are you telling me? And then she just say, hey, do what he says. Why did Mary go to her son and tell him they were out of wine? Most folk think it's so he could perform a miracle. But the Bible says that after he turned the water into wine, that was his very first miracle. That's what the Bible says. So what that means is nobody knew he was a miracle worker for 30 years. No, nobody knew he was a miracle worker. The Bible says that was his first miracle. That's what now I'm just going with what scripture says. So if that's his first miracle, how did Mary know he was going to perform a miracle? I don't believe she was telling him that they were out of wine because she was wanting him to perform a miracle. I believe she went to her son because she knew he had the money to buy more wine. Mm-hmm. Just think about it. And that's the, so, yeah, I didn't give you no proof. All I gave you was a, a thought that sounds like an opinion. Just, yeah. But think about it, though. Why, why did she come to Jesus? It wasn't to perform a miracle because she didn't know he can do that. She wanted him to pray. Like she, yes, she remembered the, 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 the angel visiting, saying this is going to be the son of God. So she wanted him to pray really, really hard because after 30 years, he hasn't performed a miracle yet. Why is she going to think he's going to perform one today? What makes more sense is that the money that he got from the trust that started his life. Oh, y'all didn't know he had a trust from his from his heavenly father. When when the wise men came and brought all those gifts, you got to research what that means. There was a whole group of dignitaries. Those were not regular people. And when they would 
go to see kings and, and bless them. They brought caravans of gold and myrrh and whatever the case. You don't believe me? So how how did they get an audience with 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 the king of uh what was it Herod King Herod right how, how did he get to see him the average person can't just walk and say hey you know a little dirty shepherd you know wise men sheep like we do our plays he can't say hey um let me see the king and and the king no king not paying attention to you these were dignitaries and when they said hey show us the king Herod was like I don't know but when you find him let me know so I can worship him he obviously believed them because they were dignitaries. Why is that important? Because the gifts that they brought Jesus, when they found Jesus, he was not still in the stable. Remember, he was born in a manger, not because they were poor. It was because they had no more room at the end. It was out of room. Like, and she was great with child, so she had to have the baby there, but they had a house. Well, they got a house. You feel me? Anyway. I'm, 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 I'm off topic, but I'm on topic because I'm still talking about Jesus. But as you go through this Holy Week, I want you to be thinking about, I want you to be thinking about God, what he did on the cross through Christ Jesus. Be thinking about the power of God that's living in you and how you can Tap into that power to live the life God created you to live from the beginning. Stop living beneath the version of you that God wants you to live. What does that mean? That means do the work to embrace your authentic self. Because look, when you fix your vision for you, you're going to fix your vision or you're going to make clearer your vision for God. When you can see God clearer, you can serve him better and you can live better. So, um, on this Holy Week, I pray God's most ridiculous blessings over your life. And I also pray that you will find favor that you haven't found before with him during this Holy Week. Make sure you spend time with him. Like, don't just wait for Easter. You haven't spent any time with God all week and then Easter show up and you just want to, you know, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, spend some time with him, some quiet time throughout the week. All right. Y'all take care.